Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Well, in 1987, Bono wrote a song called I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. And when he wrote that song, it was very interesting. He said he tried to find meaning and purpose and pleasure in everything this world had to offer. He tried it in things from sex and drugs and rock and roll and anything else you could think of. He tried it in money and power. He even tried it in religion by going to church and being a good boy. And yet no matter what he did, he never seemed to be able to find what he was looking for. Until finally... It dawned on him that in this world, you're never going to find everything that you're looking for. What we're going to be talking about this morning is kind of the, uh, the end of our sermon series. Uh, we've kind of got a, an, a, an addendum attached on next week, but we're going to finally find what we're looking for this week. So turn over to Revelation chapter 20 through 22. Uh, we're going to read every word of three chapters. No, not really. Just turn over there to Revelation chapter 20 through 22 is what we're going to be dealing with today as we found we finally found what we're looking for. Will anybody have anyone in your family that tells all these old stories that you think those can't possibly be true? Anybody have somebody like that in your family? A couple of you do. Sure, sure. Well, there's a guy named Edgar Lopez that lives in Tampa, Florida, and his grandfather told him stories his entire life that his great-great-grandfather was a pirate that was with the famous pilot Gasparilla. And I don't know if you're from the Tampa area or know anything about it, but they have the big Gasparilla pirate uh, celebration every year. Over a million people come to it. And it's they've had it since 1907. And every year when they have it, his grandfather would tell them, you know, your great-great-great-grandfather was actually a pirate with Gasparilla. And he, I've got some of the pirate booty that, that he literally had when that was true. And, he, and then he would tell all these wild pirate stories and everything. Well, Edgar never believed any of it, but his grandfather passed away recently, and he had an old storage unit that they were cleaning out. And as he began to clean out the storage unit, he found a box, a very old box. And when he opened the box, it was filled with pirate booty. And he said, well, this can't possibly be true. So he took it down, and he had all the stuff looked at, and they said, these are actual Spanish gold doubloons uh, that were taken off of a ship that was attacked by Gasparilla. Here's the box he discovered. There's an old map of Tampa Bay that's in there. There's some of the the coins. There's a picture of his great-great-great-grandfather or whatever there with his wife. And there's a severed hand. I don't know. Uh, what that's doing there. Either he had a bad day one day or it's someone else's hand, uh, more likely that he was teaching a lesson to. So after all of those years, he found out all of those stories were really true. Now I tell you that this morning because we're going to be looking at the fact we're finally going to find what we're looking for. And the stories that you hear about heaven and the good things that are to come and all of that, it seems like it's just too good to be true. And so we're going to look at some of those this morning and find out what the Bible says about still having found what I'm looking for. And now we're going to finally find it. So turn over, uh, if you will, to Revelation, the book of Revelation. And we're going to be starting in Revelation 22 and kind of working backwards. And the first thing we see is this. What has been cursing us our entire life will finally be gone. 
What has been cursing us our entire life will finally be gone. Now, we started way back in Genesis 3 when we began this sermon series. And what we saw in Genesis 3 is that when Adam and Eve sinned and were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, that a curse was placed upon them because of their sin. And it's a curse that mankind has dealt with ever since. And basically, there were three parts of the curse. I mean, there's a lot of different things we could look at, but there were three main things in the curse. First, we were going to have an enemy. That as we went forward in the, in the future, that Satan has been unloosed and we will have an enemy in the devil that's going to tempt us and try to destroy us and try to bring us down. You will have an enemy. The second thing is we live in a fallen world. This is no longer the Garden of Eden. Hurricanes, tsunamis, earthquakes, all those things come about because this world isn't the world God created it to be or wants it to be. You now live in a fallen world. And the third thing of the curse is that we are now fallen people. And we are fallen everywhere that you can be fallen. We are fallen physically. We get old. We get sick. Our bodies decay. We die. We are fallen uh, on the inside mentally in the fact that we have temptations and sins and do things that we shouldn't do and commit evils and do bad stuff. We are part of it that way. And we are fallen in the sense that we are now away from God. So those three parts of the curse, we have an enemy, we live in a fallen world, and we are fallen people. All of those are part of the curse. Now look over to Revelation chapter, 20, uh, chapter 22, beginning with verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. And down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life. Uh, 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Now, before we go any further, I read that very poorly, by the way, uh, but if I'd have read it better, what, what image are you getting here? What's he talking about in verses 1 and 2? Does that bring anything to your mind? You're back in the Garden of Eden. You have the tree, the, the same trees that are there before. Uh, the, this is the place God intended for people to be when he created the world in the very beginning. So they're back in the Garden of Eden. And then look at verse 3. Verse 3. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb of God will be in the city and his servants will serve him. So now what we're seeing is, okay, you're back where God intended for people to be in the Garden of Eden, and there is no longer any curse. That curse, uh, uh, the curse of having an enemy, the curse of a fallen world, of fallen people, all that's going to be taken care of when Jesus comes again. So we're going to look at five things this morning that the coming of Jesus gives us that we finally find what we're looking for in this world because the curse is going to be removed. And the first thing is our enemy is going to be totally defeated. Our enemy will be totally defeated. Now, uh, it would be a great thing to have your enemy totally defeated. Anybody here have an enemy that you want totally defeated? Uh, you know, maybe if you're a, a Louisville fan, it's Kentucky. Or if you're a Kentucky fan, it's Louisville. You know, your enemy you want totally defeated. You know, something like that. Uh, well, I saw an article recently about VE Day. Uh, when the Nazis surrendered and Hitler had committed suicide. And I got uh, took a, uh, a thing from the paper here uh, from when that happened. Take a look at this picture. You know, all of the people out in the streets celebrating because Europe had been liberated. The Nazis had surrendered. Your enemy's been defeated. Well, we have an enemy that is trying to destroy us every day of our lives. And sometimes we don't even realize that or think about it. First Peter 5, 8 says this. 
be alert, be sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So we're told that the devil's like a roaring lion and he wants to devour you. Now, the problem is most people, especially in our modern age, don't take the devil and temptation and those things very seriously. But listen to Ephesians 6, verses 11 through 13. Put on the full armor of God. Now, you've heard, you know, the armor of God, we all need that. Put on the full armor of God that you may stand against the schemes of the devil. The reason we need the armor of God is that it's the devil that is attacking us and tempting us. It's not just humanly pressures. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It is against rulers, authorities, powers of the dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the most heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God that when the evil day comes, you can stand against it. So the armor of God is given to us to stand against the attacks of the devil because we have an enemy that we have to deal with. Now, wouldn't it be great if that enemy, just like on VE Day with the Nazis, had been totally defeated, and yet that's exactly what happened. Look over to chapter 20 of Revelation, verse 10. Chapter 20, verse 10. And the devil who has deceived them was thrown into a lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet have been thrown, and he will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So when Jesus comes again, one of the things that happens is that Satan will be totally defeated and that we will have that curse removed. Our enemy will be defeated. No more of those temptations. No more of those struggles. Those things will all be gone. The second thing that comes about when Jesus comes again and the curse is going to be removed is that our fallen planet's going to be restored to its original glory. The planet we live on is suffering because of human sin as much as people are suffering because of human sin. This is no longer the Garden of Eden. We live in a fallen planet. And yet look over to Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 and 2. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth passed away. There was no longer a sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God as a bride beautifully adorned for her husband. And so you have this image of a renewed, transformed earth where all of the problems and all of the troubles of this world are going to be gone. Now, it's easy to see the glimpses of God in our world. If you've ever looked at a, at a sunset or, or, or a beautiful rainbow, if you've driven through the mountains, uh, when I was on my death march to California where I got all my blood clots, you know, we saw the, the whole world change before us where you went from the, the plains to the mountains uh, to the desert. And it was just unbelievable. Scenic vistas. We took all kinds of pictures. You can see the glimpses of the glory of God. But this isn't the planet God intended for it to be. This planet sometimes goes out of control. And you have things like tornadoes and earthquakes and hurricanes that, that, that come upon us. But one day the earth is going to be restored and redeemed back to its original glory. There will no longer be a curse upon this world. Over in Romans chapter 8 verses 19 through 22. Listen to what Paul says about the redemption of the earth. For even creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For creation has been subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the choice of those who subjugated it. In other words, it's not the planet's fault, it's our fault, but the planet's suffering because of us. That creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom just like the glory of the children of God. We know that all of creation is groaning as in the pain of childbirth, 
waiting for this time to come. So even creation is waiting for its redemption and that time to come where we will finally be all that we intended to be. When we read that Revelation 22 chapter, uh, beginning of the chapter, and I said, you're back in the Garden of Eden. What's been restored is everything that we lost. You know, 20% of the Amazon rainforest has been destroyed uh, just in the last several years. And Brazil is doing something kind of remarkable about it. Over the next five years, they are going to plant 73 million trees in the rainforest. I've got a picture here of of, uh, some of the destruction of the rainforest uh, that you see there. And then this is what they're trying to reclaim it to, the the next picture. They're trying to get it back to that. 73 million trees are going to be planted. But one day, the frustration that the planet has, the curse is going to be gone, and this earth will be restored to its original glory. A third thing that happens when the curse is removed, uh, and this is the one that you'll probably like to hear as much as anything, is that all of your problems will be gone. All of your problems will be gone. Who would like that? Who think that sounds too good to be true? That one day all of your problems are going to be gone, that God's going to do something that is great, that brings us back to what he intended for us to be. Look at verse 4 of Revelation 21. Revelation 21, verse 4. In that day, he will wipe every tear from your eye. Every pain, every hurt that you've had in your life, God is going to one day wipe all of those tears away. There's not going to be that sorrow. There's not going to be that pain. As a matter of fact, in the book of Proverbs 56, verse 8, we're told that God has taken every tear that you've ever cried And he's put it in his bottle for the day that he's going to comfort you for that tear. It says, record my misery, list my tears on your scroll. I know every one of them has been kept in your record. So every time you've ever heard, God says, I've recorded that in my book and I'm going to comfort you for every one of those. Keep reading. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will no longer be any death. So everything, the the fallen planet is going to be redeemed. Uh, The the enemy is going to be gone. And one of the big curses was death that came upon us in the Garden of Eden. And that curse of death is now going to be gone. It's no longer going to exist. It's going to be wiped away. Now, Christians have the hope of heaven. And that's something good that gets us through. But make no mistake about it. Death is a curse. That's why it hurts so bad. I don't care if you're a Christian or a non-Christian. I don't care if you believe your loved one went to heaven or they didn't go to heaven. When death comes, it still hurts. There's still separation. There's still loss. Now, we grieve unlike non-Christians. We grieve with a hope, the hope of heaven. But death is still a curse. But we're told that when Jesus comes again, that curse is going to be gone and death will be removed. You have a reunion with your loved one. There will, be, there will be a new time of rejoicing that you'll have. All of our tears will be wiped away. There'll be no more death. We're told mourning and crying and pain. All of these things will pass away. But look at what it says. Because that was the old order. Mourning, crying, and pain will pass away because it was the old order. In other words, what, what, what John is writing is this. That was the curse. You were living under a curse. It's not the world God wanted for you. But one day the curse will be gone. All of those old things will disappear. It'll be a new world the way God intended for it to be in Eden. And all of those problems and troubles you have will disappear. 
Man, isn't that a great day to, to look forward to when we finally get what we've been looking for all along? You see, sometimes we think that we can find that in this world. And that's why we feel God's holding out on us sometimes. Because we want no problems and troubles in this world. And then when problems and troubles come, we said, where's God? I was living a good life. I did, I've been reading my Bible. I came to church. I even gave 50 cents to a homeless guy standing on the side of the street. I should have nothing but good things happen in my life. How come I'm having problems and troubles? Because we're under this misconception that you can get that in this world. But fallen people on a fallen planet with an enemy are never going to be without trouble. You know, Jesus said it, in this world you'll have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome this world. But one day all of those old order will pass away and the new order the way God intended for it to be will come. Anybody remember the singer Bobby McFerrin? Remember what song he sang? Don't worry, be happy. You want me to, you want me to sing the whole thing to you? you? Believe me, you really don't. Now look, isn't that a, a, a cute little thing there telling us not to worry? So if I told you, look, I know there's problems in this world. Don't worry, be happy. Then all your problems would disappear, right? No, they wouldn't. You'd still have problems. You might be a little more positive as you went through life, but you're still going to have problems. But what if I told you your enemy has been removed? The, the old world, the, the fallen planet is now gone and you are no longer a fallen person. The curse is gone. There's a new order that's come. Then we know that God has changed things for the better. That brings us to a fourth thing we see about the curse being removed. A fourth thing. And that is you will be transformed into the children of God and you will reign with him forever. You will be transformed into the children of God and you will reign with him forever. Anybody watch Fixer Upper? You won't after this year. It'll be off the air. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. I know some of you are traumatized. You can still order their magazine for like $80 a month or something. So that'll be good. But, But in Fixer Upper, they take these old houses and they... Fix them up. That's exactly what they do. Yeah. Yeah. They transform them into something different. Got a couple of pictures of, of this one. Uh, anybody see this episode? Okay. Some of you are too hardcore if you even know what episode it was. Okay. So that's one of them they fixed up. This is the one I love the next one. That old farmhouse about to fall down and look at what they did to it. So they take these old dilapidated houses. What they say, I think, is we take the worst house in the neighborhood and make it into the best house. They transform it. Well, how amazing to think that one day God is going to transform you. So look over into chapter 22, verse 5. Chapter 22, verse 5. We're told, there will be no night. There will not need to be the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. The Lord God will give you light and you will reign with him forever and ever. We are going to one day be transformed. Our, our weak, sinful bodies will be transformed. We're not going to get old and get sick and decay. You know, people say, you know, why does so-and-so have to get sick? Why did so-and-so die? It's not, it's because you live in a fallen world and you're fallen people who get old and decay and bad things happen like disease. But one day that's all going to be gone and you're going to be transformed into the person God wanted you to be. All those hurts, all those pains, all those limitations of your body are going to be gone. All the things you suffer with, the anxiety, the depression, all of those things are going to be gone because you're going to be transformed. The Bible talks about it as shalom. Now that word, we translate it peace. 
But it means so much more than peace because when we think of peace, we think of absence of conflict, two people not fighting. Shalom means a whole lot more than absence of conflict. Shalom means total wholeness in mind, body, and soul. And that's what your transformation is going to be. It'll be a total wholeness in your mind. All of those thoughts and pains and struggles will be gone. The staying up at night and not being able to sleep, your mind will be transformed. Your body, the the aging and the decaying and the illness and the sickness, all that's going to be transformed. You're going to be transformed in your soul as you're brought into the relationship with God that you're supposed to be. There will be a total transformation on that day. Here's how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 15. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and it is raised in power. And so what we see here is now we have a total transformation of who we are. I personally think, uh, and this is just just me, this isn't isn't the Bible, but I think when you think about what's it going to be like in heaven, you're going to be the best you that you could be. Think of you as your as your as your as the as the perfect you. That's what you're going to be in heaven. You'll be the very best you you can be. I followed a pastor in Virginia that had been there 37 years. Uh, well, by the time I got there, he was in his 80s, and he would still speak every once in a while. And they would always ask for a picture, and he would send them a picture of himself when he was 32. And so they were always looking for this young guy to show up. And, and then he, he would show up and he'd say, well, that's still how I remember myself. That, that's who I am. Well, you're going to one day be the very best you that you could be. You're, there'll be a total transformation. And then one, one last thing we see when it comes to, okay, what's it going to mean that the curse is revealed when Jesus comes? And it's this. It's perhaps the greatest one of all, but the one we don't think about you will literally be in God's presence. You see, one of the curses in the Garden of Eden is that when they were kicked out of the garden, they were, they were also put away from God's direct presence. Now, God was still there for them to pray to and, and, and to communicate with and all of that. But the direct one-on-one presence, literally being with God, was lost when they left the Garden of Eden. And just as that curse was put upon them, that curse is now going to be removed. We're going to look at several verses here. We'll go to Revelation 21, verse 3. Revelation 21, verse 3. I heard a loud voice from the throne that said, The household of God is now with people. He will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. You're going to literally be in the presence of God when that day comes. Uh, Then look down to verse 22. Verse 22. I didn't see any temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Now, I found that a really interesting verse. What it says is when you, when you get to, to what we call heaven, when you get to that place, you, there's not going to be a church to go to. Why do we come to church? We think that somehow God's presence is here. This is the place of God. You're not going to need a church anymore. You're not going to need a temple because when you get there, he's literally going to be there with you. And then finally look over to chapter 22, verse four, chapter 22, verse four, they will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. So God will literally be with you. He will literally be present with you. That curse will be wiped away. Now we've looked at five pretty good things and they're the things we've been looking for in all of our struggles. If you look for any of these things in this world, 
you're going to end up disappointed. If you look for, for no problems in this world because you're being a good little boy or girl, you're not going to find it and you're going to be disappointed. If you're looking to literally be in God's presence, now God can, God's spirit indwells you, he encourages you, you, you feel him moving you. But if you want to literally be in God's presence, you're going to end up being disappointed. If you want to live on a planet where there's never an earthquake or a tornado or bad things happen, then that's not going to be the place that you're looking for. And you're constantly going to be disappointed. But one day when Jesus comes again, all of those things will be made right. The curse will be gone. Our enemy will be totally defeated. Our fallen world will be made new. All of our problems will be gone. Our sinful, weak, fallen bodies will be transformed and will literally be in the presence of God. And so then the question comes, okay, that sounds good. How do I get that? How do I get that in my life? That's what I want. I'll take all five. How do I get it? And that's the last thing that we see. Everything we've been looking for our entire lives is a free gift and is available to everybody. It's a totally free gift available to everybody. Look over to chapter 21, verse 5. Chapter 21, verse 5. He who sat upon the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write these words down. They're trustworthy and they're true. He said, the world that you are living in, the curse that you are under, the old order. He talked about a couple of verses before that. It's gone. I'm making everything new. You can trust it. You can write it down. Okay, Chip, you still haven't gotten there. How do you get it? Verse six. He said to me, it is finished. In other words, there's nothing that you need to do. It is finished. I am Alpha and Omega. Now, if you're not a Greek scholar or know anything about Greek, that's just the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. So he's saying, I'm the A and the Z. I encompass everything, is what he's saying here. I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning of all things, and I am the end of all things. Okay, great. You still haven't gotten there. How do I get it? Keep reading. To anyone who is thirsty, I will give to drink for no price from the spring of the water of life. How do you get it? How do you get that water that you've been thirsting for? You've been drinking over and over again, trying to relieve your thirst, and it's never left. How do you get the water of God that you never thirst again? And Jesus says, it's totally free. It's free gift. How do you get it? You get it by the fact that Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of your sins when you didn't deserve it. You don't become a perfect person when you accept Christ. You become a forgiven person. All of your sins have been put upon him. And you are now looking for the day where that transformation comes, not by what you do. If you have to depend upon yourself, be afraid. But when you're depending on him and what Jesus did on the cross, it's a totally free gift then that's given to you a total transformation that's going to come. The curse is going to be removed. You might have been looking in your life for a long time and thinking, I've tried everything. Tried everything the world said. Tried coming to church. Tried reading my Bible. Tried being a good person. And I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And the reason is, in this world, you're never going to find it. There's always going to be problems. There's always going to be troubles. But God is there to encourage you and to help you when those problems and troubles come. He doesn't leave you alone. 
But the good news is one day when Jesus comes again, the curse is going to be removed. And all of those things that have been holding us down will be totally gone. You know, it's kind of interesting. Whenever you read a book, you want to get to the end to see how the book ends. But we don't read the end of the Bible very much. So we've talked about the fact that when Jesus comes again, the curse is totally gone. So how does the Bible end? Well, listen, Revelation 22, verses 20 and 21, the last two sentences of the Bible. He who testifies to these things, the curse is going to be removed. He who testifies to these things says this. Yes, I am coming soon, says Jesus. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with God's people. Amen. Now, let me tell you what that's saying when you read it there. He's saying, Jesus says, look, I'm coming soon. And when I come, the curse is going to be gone. And the people of God say, amen. You know what the word amen means? Basic basically means so be it. I agree. Now, so when you say amen at the end of your own sermon, you're agreeing with yourself. In Jesus' name, I agree with everything I just said. Amen means so be it. So Jesus says, I'm coming soon. And then God's people says, amen, so be it. Come, Lord Jesus, remove the curse. And then the last sentence of the Bible says, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. It's not what we're going to do that's going to remove the curse. It's the grace of God through the sacrifice of Jesus And when Jesus comes again, amen, come Lord Jesus, that curse will be removed and you will finally find everything you've been looking for. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you that we have such a great hope that's ahead of us. Lord, help us to live a life in this world that shows us growing and maturing and caring and loving until that day when the curse of this world is removed. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.